Matthew chapter 1, verses 21 through 23. This is what scripture says. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to Would you join me in a brief word of prayer? Oh, Father, we thank you for Christmas, uh, for the time we get with families and the presents and the familiar songs. But we ask your help uh, this Christmas Eve that our hearts would be open to find great joy in the, the greatest gift that was ever given, the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, who became one of us to save all of us, to be God with us. Would you open our hearts to receive the fresh joy in the miracle of the incarnation? We pray that in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. My family has a Christmas tradition that we are split on. Some of us love it, and some of us love to hate it. Um, that tradition is to watch a Christmas movie that goes by the name Elf. Uh, if you've seen the movie, you probably know why we have such a split reaction to it. Uh, if you have not seen Elf, I will give you the bare bones details that you need to know. Uh, Elf is a story of a man named Buddy. He is a very large middle-aged man for most of the movie who has lived under the delusion that he is a Christmas elf because he was brought up by actual elves living in the North Pole. Now that means that Buddy has, for his whole life, wanted nothing more than to be a good little elf in Santa's shop making all the toys that the kids around the world love each and every Christmas. But the absurdity of this very tongue-in-cheek movie starts from the beginning because Buddy is way too big to live in an elf world, and he is terrible at making presents, which is why it is a bit of a shock to him, but not to us, when one day he actually figures out, wait a second, I'm not an elf. I'm, in fact, a very large middle-aged man, which sends Buddy on a bit of a quest. He decides he wants to find his real father in the far-off magical place known as New York City, and not only to meet him, but to live with him. Well, along the way, Buddy has all sorts of travels and difficulties. Um, he finds the wonder of the big city, uh, discovering things like revolving doors and escalators and department stores, which he's particularly fond of. And uh, for the most part, it's a very lighthearted movie, that is, until Buddy actually meets his dad when the tone changes. Because it turns out that Buddy very badly wants to be with his father, but his father doesn't want anything to do with Buddy. I'll save you the spoilers for what happens at the end. You can watch the movie on your own if you so dare. But it, it brings up a theme that I think all of us know is particularly painful in the human heart. Uh, relationships are meant to be shared being actually with someone. The tighter that relationship, the more their absence is felt. 
Which is why when you very badly want to be with someone you love, them not wanting to be with you hurts oh so much. Well, of course, Christmas brings up a lot of those feelings. Uh, certainly when being around family brings to mind all sorts of relationships, the good and the bad. But also as people start thinking about God. There's a longing in the human heart. Deep down, we all know God made us and we were made to be with him. And yet our experience in this world oftentimes certainly feels like an absence of God with us. A lacking. If God's there, he doesn't seem all that interested in us. Which is why we need to go back to what the scriptures say about the true meaning of Christmas. And in fact, find the greatest gift that has ever been given. And the miracle of the son being sent. The man, Jesus Christ. Uh, he became one of us to save all of us, to be God with us. And if we understand that gift that God has given to each and every one of us, then this Christmas can be one that's filled with joy in each and every one of our hearts. Now the question is, how do we start off becoming so far away from God? The Bible has an answer. It goes all the way back to the very first humans, Adam and Eve. Uh, they were made by a good God to live in his good place, enjoying the best of all lives. Uh, their stomachs were full, and their relationships were as well with each other, but most importantly, with God himself. They daily enjoyed the presence of the one who made them, walking with him in the cool of the day. You might think that would be all that two people could ever need, and indeed it would be. Uh, but that's where they lose their way. Because the serpent enters into the garden. He tempts them to break the one prohibition God had given. Just eat of the one tree you're not supposed to eat of. And in so doing, they break everything. Uh, they break their own lives. They're doomed to die as a consequence for their sins. Uh, they break the world that they inhabit. It becomes one filled with pain and turmoil and trials of all sorts. And they break their relationship with God. Uh, they are cast out of God's good garden. And worst of all, away from his presence. God even sets up a roadblock so they can't make their way back. A flaming sword and an angel. To make sure no one misunderstands what's happened. They are lost and lonely. And they don't know how to find their way back. And that has been the dark story of humanity every generation since. Each one of us, like our first parents, are sinners doomed to die, wandering through this world with the sense that we're lost and lonely and have an ache that we just can't satisfy no matter what we try. And trust me, it's not because of lack of trying. We've tried to fill up that void by surrounding ourselves with the right sort of people, thinking surely they will make us feel loved and accepted. Others have tried to do it with many of possessions, thinking if they just get enough stuff, they'll bring peace to their soul. Uh, others have tried to come up with various philosophies, try to make it all more bearable, 
bring a little bit of tranquility into their otherwise restless hearts. But no matter what we do, the fundamentals are still the same. We wander, we're lost, we're lonely, and one day we die without the presence of the one who made us. The very thing we were made for, to be with God. That's well, a bleak outlook, uh, but that's where the story of the Bible starts. Uh, and maybe you're here this evening and you haven't given much thought to spiritual things or what God thinks about you. Uh, maybe, frankly, there's lots of things about your life that you do like. Uh, you like the job you have, or you like the family that you spend time with on the holidays. Or maybe even you just like certain things about yourself. Generally, life's pretty good. But I wonder, are there moments, maybe it's only when you're by yourself or in the quiet of the night, when you know that there's something missing? You have a sense that your soul is lost and lonely. There was all, there's someone or something that's lacking, that if only you could find your way back to, you would know true peace and joy. Well, that was the case for a man that lived a long time ago in northern Africa, went by the name of Augustine. Uh, he tried to fill up his life with all the pleasures he could experience. And yet, as much as he tried to satisfy his soul, he found himself restless and without peace, which is why he wrote some famous words. In a prayer to God, he said, our hearts are restless until we find rest in thee. Augustine found what so many have down through the ages, that we were made by God and made to be with God. And none of the other things we try and fill our hearts and souls with will ever satisfy us. Well, that's a pretty tough place to be. Lost and lonely and not knowing the way back. Thankfully, the Bible story doesn't end there. But before I go on with that, I want to tell you the story of a very adventurous poodle uh, in Milwaukee six years ago. Um, was playing outside, a poodle by the name of Marley playing with three other dogs that lived in the same house when Marley went running off of the property and went around the corner and the owners, when they went running after her, could not find her. Um, Marley ended up uh, wandering around the city for a total of five years. Sometimes dogs have this ability to find their way back home. Not so with Marley. Um, she was in the park. People thought they sighted her there. At other times, she was on the other side of town. They kept on catching glimpses of her, but they never quite find her. Well, five years finally went by, and one of the kids of that household thought they spotted Marley on the other side of the street. And they ran over and called the dog, Marley, Marley! And wouldn't you know it, Marley came running into their arms. It turned out Marley couldn't find her way home, so they had to go and bring Marley home themselves. Well, the Bible has a similar storyline to it. We're lost and lonely, far from God. So far from God that most of us don't even know it. But the problem has never been that God is lacking in love or ability. Which is why he himself comes to us to rescue us. So that he can truly be with us. Just a little while ago I read the words from Matthew 1, 
Um, and it, we're, we're actually dropping in the middle of a, uh, of a story. Um, there's a man named Joseph who's engaged to be married. But then some scandal enters into the story because Joseph's fiance turns out to be uh, unexpectedly and unexplainably pregnant. Now, teenage pregnancy already has a little scandal to it in our day, but back then that would be much worse. Joseph knows how things go. He knows he wasn't involved in the process. So surely this must mean that his fiancée, Mary, has been unfaithful. So he starts looking for a way to get out of the engagement and let her down easy to do it quietly and spare her unnecessary shame. Well, in the midst of this, God sends Joseph a message. Uh, In the midst of a dream, he sees an angel who tells Joseph that he has this whole thing wrong. In fact, Mary has not been unfaithful. What's happened is a miracle, one that's never happened before in human history and will never happen again. Uh, She is is carrying within her a son who has been conceived not by a man, but by the Holy Spirit. Says, uh, as a result, Joseph does not break off the engagement, and instead he adopts the child and raises him with Mary as his own. And that's the start of what we call the Christmas story. Well, I'm here this evening to tell you that the Christmas story is not just some sentimental thing religious people tell each other once a year. It's actually the reason that we can have hope and joy and peace. Because of the very simple message that Jesus became one of us to save all of us and to be God with us. I'll speak a little bit about each of those in turn. Uh, Jesus became one of us. In the miracle, the prophecy that the angel told Joseph was being fulfilled, going all the way back to a guy named Isaiah hundreds of years before. Uh, Jesus really was born of a virgin, 100% God and 100% man in the man Jesus Christ. That was a necessary thing for God to be able to redeem humanity. He needed someone who was truly human. But he also needed someone who was unlike us and that he was sinless. Jesus lived that perfect sinless life. He knows exactly what it is to be human. And yet he did so without ever once slipping up even in the smallest of things. Which leads to the second thing that Christmas teaches us is that Jesus became one of us in order to save all of us. Uh, Jesus didn't come to become a human just so he could enjoy some pita bread in ancient Israel 2,000 years ago. No, he came on a mission, and it turns out that is a rescue mission. His whole life, he had one main purpose, to live a perfect life that could be offered offered to God as a spotless sacrifice for sinners of all types. That's what the cross of Christianity is all about. Uh, It is the instrument that was used to murder Jesus as an act for him to give his life up willingly to save sinners of all types. As Jesus hung there being killed, God did something amazing. He put our sins on Jesus And punished him in our place. Which is why when Jesus died, he was able to 
offer forgiveness to sinners of all types. No matter who you are or where you've come from, no matter what you've done or what you've been doing, Jesus' sacrifice was sufficient to pay for the sins of anyone that will come to God through him. That's the second thing Christmas teaches us. But, however, that is not actually the main thing that God was intending to do. Being able to forgive sinners, undoubtedly, is one of the main things. But God had something else in mind. Uh, Forgiving sins is actually a means to an end. And that is for God to actually be with us. Jesus became one of us to save all of us and to be God with us. See, sometimes we think of God as merely tolerating us. Uh, Maybe he has some sort of obligation to us since he made us in his image. Or maybe even if you're a Christian, you think of him as less than enthusiastic about the fact that you made it into the kingdom of God. I mean, sure, he has to make good on the deal he made through Jesus, but kind of wishes he didn't have to have that apply to you. So we can picture God up in heaven with arms crossed, frown on his face, looking down on us, maybe having some obligation to us, but not genuinely desiring to know us, to be known by us, and to be with us. But that's not what the Christmas story tells us. Did you notice It was God's idea from the beginning. Uh, He gave that prophecy hundreds of years ago. And he made sure that that prophecy was fulfilled. As the angel would say, a baby being born named Emmanuel, which means God with us. See, this was God's intention from the very beginning. Not to leave us doomed to die, alienated far from him and lonely in soul but by his own actions to come and rescue us and wrap us in his arms of love, to give us the things that we have always needed, most of all to be known by him and to know him ourselves, for him to come make his home within us and for us to know our home is with him in heaven. See, the Uh, Christmas tells us that this happens because three days after Jesus died, he didn't stay dead. He came back to life. And he promised that anyone who repents of their sins and believes in him to save them will find that Jesus himself will come live in their very heart, starting right now and going on forever and ever and ever. And that is the true gift of Christmas. It's not all the presents under the tree. It's not even the wonderful family gatherings we enjoy so much. It's not even that sense of sentimentality, of things so familiar that they feel old and comfortable. All those things are wonderful. But the true gift of Christmas is God himself with us now to dwell in Emmanuel the man, Jesus Christ. Uh, Maybe you're here this evening and you know that you have not received that gift from heaven. Maybe you know you're not a Christian or you're just unsure enough that you would like to know how is it that you can receive all the joy and peace and even the sense of love 
that God intended for you to have in a relationship with him. Well, the Bible tells us that you can do that in a very simple way. You have to first repent of your sins. That means to renounce all the things that you have been trying to fill up your soul with. To turn away from them and instead to turn to God. And then you need to, by faith, receive the gift that God has offered. And that is the forgiveness that comes through Jesus Christ. If you believe he really did the things he claimed to do, and if you throw yourself on his mercy to save you, you you will find that he will wipe away each and every one of your sins. And then best of all, you'll find that Jesus will come and make his home in your heart and that your home will be with him in heaven forever. Uh, If you're here this evening and you would like to take that step or just to know more about it, uh, after the service, there'll be a bunch of people around with name tags. Any one of us would love to fill in some of the gaps or even to pray with you so that you can receive the greatest gift ever given, the gift of God himself in the man, Jesus Christ. Uh, Maybe you're here this evening and you've got questions. Maybe you understand some of that or maybe you have other questions of the more skeptical variety that are keeping you from thinking that this is something that you're ready to do. If that's you this evening, I'm so glad you're here. Now, our church exists to help lead people to know and trust Jesus. So we would love to be helpful to you this evening. Uh, to that end, we have two books that we're giving away. We'd love to give you one or both of them. Uh, one of them is called Christmas Uncut. It goes through elements of the very familiar Christmas story and tries to clarify some things and does so in a way that's very straightforward, very easy to read. Um, if you have questions about that part of what the Bible teaches about Jesus, this would be a great book for you. Um, We also have this other book that's more for the skeptical variety of questions. It's called, Is Christmas Unbelievable? Um, It goes through some of the common reasons people think this is too hard for them to believe. If you stop by the welcome desk on your way out, both those books are available. And if you'd like to arrange for someone to get together with you and answer questions or study the Bible, we'd love to set that up as well. Uh, Whatever you do, though, if you know that you have not received this gift that God has provided for us, that which our souls need more than anything else, the gift of God himself in Jesus Christ. Don't leave without taking at least one step, whether that be picking up some books or talking to someone how you can receive Jesus yourself. Now, if you're here this morning and you are a Christian, I hope you get excited for Christmas. I hope you love the family gatherings and the music and the opening of presents. I hope you love coming to Christmas Eve services. Um, there's a, a lot of wonderful things woven into the traditions that we share together surrounding Christmas. But let's remember, at its heart, Christmas is about God giving us a gift much more important than any of those other things. Oftentimes, Christians themselves struggle with those very same sort of thoughts. Sure, God's promised to do certain things to me, but kind of wishes he didn't need to follow through. Don't think of God up in heaven frowning down on you. Remember the message of Christmas. It was God's idea from the beginning. He wanted you to be with him now and forever. And he did everything himself needed for that to happen even sending his only son 
to rescue us and be God with us. So brothers and sisters, as you gather around your trees, around dinner tables, as you remember so much of the Christmas story, would you remember the chief joy of it, that Jesus became one of us to save all of us and be God with us. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for giving us the greatest gift, that which we could never have provided for ourselves, and yet that which we need more desperately than anything else. To be with you now and forever. To have our hearts filled by your love and your joy and your peace because of your son, Jesus. Thank you for sending him to become one of us. Thank you for his faithfulness to save all of us. Now, would you help us to find joy in the fact that he is God with us, now and forever. We pray this in your mighty name. Amen.